I'm your brother and sister. I'm both Mrs. and Mr. I'm gay, bi, trans, non-binary. I am myself. I'm your father and mother, husband, auntie, friend, and lover. I'm different and the same. I am your family. I'm black, white, pink, every hue, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Jew, skinhead, goth, punk, new romantic. I am me, I am you. I'm your district nurse, your teacher, the boy and girl next door, someone in the street. I am your neighbor. I'm no better than you or no worse, no richer, poorer, blessed or cursed, just part of the same gravitational wave as you. Hello listeners to the Bylines Network podcast. We are joined by Trudy Housen, the LGBT Poet Laureate. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. Hello, everybody. If you'd just like to introduce yourself. Okay, so I'm the current uh, LGBT Poet Laureate. I was appointed in 2016. Uh, Previously, I was just a, you know, professional poet. And previous to that, an actress came to London, studied at drama school. And uh, yeah, and a political activist, I would describe myself. (laughs) Tell me about that before we we came on. We'll come back to that later because that's quite an interesting story. But um, what does a poet laureate do exactly? I flag up um, (laughs) the needs of our LGBT community. I'm sort of like their voice. Uh, I celebrate our community and uh, I write poetry for you know, particular events, major events, major campaigns. I work with all the big organizations, Stonewall, Amnesty, uh, Gallup, uh, Peter Tatchell Foundation, and all the smaller ones, grassroots uh, campaigns, and often write poetry that they use in their, uh, in their uh, particular campaigns, yeah. And um, I, I write poetry about us, about what we do, about what we're like. You know, we are a treasure trove of um, creativity. I mean, it's a wonderful topic. <laughs> Never-ending source of stimulation. So some of my poems are quite funny, you know, quite sort of dramatic, and others are very uh, serious and, and trying to, yeah, encourage us to ask for what we need and what we deserve. Fantastic. You were just talking about the organizations that you that you worked for. I guess what is it like what is it like working for Stonewall? You know, I I love doing I do quite a lot of commission work where they're running a particular campaign. Um, so when, for example, it all came out about what was happening in Russia, uh, they were doing a campaign uh, that was trying to alert Parliament to uh, to take some kind of interest in uh, LGBTQI rights in Chechnya. So I wrote a poem which I performed outside the Russian embassy. Lots of my pals turned up, Peter Tatchell, um, Ian McKellen, 
uh, lots of sort of because I'm an ex actor myself. Um, so and it, it obviously raised the profile because the press were there. And then that particular poem uh, was used in a cross party debate uh, in Parliament. Uh, so the thing about a poem is it they're very short and it's like a cordial. Uh, you know, it's your imagination that adds the, um, you know, the meaning to it, really. Uh, and it can transcend just your intellectual intellect or your even your emotions. It can be hit you on a sort of uh, subconscious level. So it's just a question of getting the facts and doing the research and then writing a poem that can really reach out to to its audience so that's that's what i do in those kind of instances i mean you know i do i do love it doing it what would you say has been like your most successful one like i a poem that you particularly liked or one that was quoted the most or well received um oh well i was appointed lgbt poet laureate in 2016 um i previously in 2012 because i was a poet then uh being commissioned to write a poem for the london olympics so suddenly my poetry profile escalated and uh, I was offered, you know, West End residences and lots of, you know, stuff. And I saw that this was an opportunity to really establish an LGBTQI poetry community. Previously, it was like run by men uh, and not really gay or queer at all. So uh, on that basis, I was appointed, I think, LGBT Poet Laureate. And the first thing I did was contacted some of the people I'd worked with on TV. And I performed the first ever um, LGBTQI poem on network TV. It's called, I wrote it for what was called Ida Hobbit. So that was pretty, uh, quite a big deal at the time, you know, actually raising our profile, you know. Uh, it's so important that we, we should be proud of who we are, you know, we shouldn't be hiding away or feeling a dreadful shame about who we are. So a lot of my poetry is very sort of encouraging us to, yeah, to be proud of who we are, to expect to have uh, equality. You know, I, I also campaign very actively uh, for, for example, Rock Against Racism and also women's equality because it's all the same thing. If we all pull together and share our experience, then you know what? It will make our lives a lot easier and certainly happier and much, much more fun. It's our history. I mean, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that it was made even legal to be a homosexual, a practicing mm -hmm. homosexual. So you can see why a lot of older, particularly older men or older people see being gay uh, as something that's illegal even. So I do think we've come a tremendous uh, amount you know, we stopped Clause 28. I think we're, la we're laying the ground for them, but it will be young people who are laying, laying the march. So actually, uh, I thought I'd um, like to read a poem about... Um, so this is a poem I wrote. I write for lots of prides. 
uh, which are sort of celebratory events, but also intrinsically they're community events. So I wanted to write a poem that represented our community 365 days of the year. And actually this particular poem has been um, used as a soundtrack, uh, the dialogue for a, a film made by Craig Heathcote. It's on YouTube. It's called, I think it's called We Are Means Happy. And it's actually, it's fabulous. I sent it over for San Francisco Pride actually last mm. year. So check it, check it out. We are the voice of love that dares to speak its name. We will not, shall not be silenced. We are a wave of love that ripples around the world where every creed, color and religion. We are a beacon of love, dazzling in our style and diversity. We're trendsetters, go-getters, creatives. We are the whole spectrum of love, shape shifters, gender benders, fluid. We're dreamers, magicians, groundbreakers. We are a celebration of love, people who hang on to hope. We're LGBTQI, the real deal. Speaking of, um, speaking of history, uh you told me that you attended the first London Pride yes what was that like well do you know that it was the it was actually the first uh event Pride event it was on Highbury Fields in 1972 uh it was run by uh GLF with I met Peter Tatchell there and it was just a lovely event I'd come over to study in in London drama school and uh, I just felt so proud. Um, it, it was just, you know, just forget all the snide comments we were getting all, all the time, the really negative, negative stuff. You know, there we were, and we're sort of like really positive, healthy, vibrant people. You know, we were sort of, we felt fabulous actually. And that's what pride, is about recognizing that we we are fabulous we are brave people we're special and you know one thing about our community it's so very diverse i mean we are every color every religion every type that's how peter and i became friends actually we've done gosh lots of lots of work since and of course big big fan of peter's mm. <laughs> how do you think it's changed uh, over the many years since the first one you know, because there is this like current debate uh, going on amongst like the community and allies and other people uh, about whether or not it should just be like a massive party or if it should be like more like a protest. Because as many people like to point out, the first Pride in New York was a protest. Hell, it, it was like a full on riot. So. Yeah. Actually, talking to Peter, Peter and I organised a debate. Well, it was organised for us, I think, at the UCL. I mean, that must have been three years ago. It's before COVID, called Has Pride Lost Its Meaning? 
and there was me and Peter and two representatives from uh, the current Pride. And what Peter and I were saying was that Pride has lost its, not just lost its way, it's lost its meaning. Pride has to be about community. It can't, the sponsorship can't just be used for big floats advertising products and lavish lunches and dinners and events afterwards you know that's Rainbow just like, capitalism I believe yeah, the is. I mean really it's got to be community so I mean it was an extremely lively debate whoa it was absolutely packed yeah and actually uh, last year I joined with Peter and Diva magazine for um, Reclaim Pride March uh, and uh, this year they're going to there's going to be another uh, sort of reclaim pride uh, march organized by uh, glf don't get me wrong i'm not saying there's anything wrong with celebrating but you know there are lots of communities grassroots communities out there who are doing terrific work with very little funding it's true no one is an artist or political activist for money because you just don't get it it's a vocation you know people like me and peter we are driven. Nonetheless, if there's any corporate money going into people who want to flag up their own company, you know, by saying we're celebrating pride or put the pride flag on their perfume bottles and then advertise them on Twitter and social media. I mean, is that all they're doing for pride? Just putting up that logo so they can sell more of their products? I mean, that's pretty cheap. I mean, when I see those ads on my social media, I, I respond you know, and say, so what are you doing the other 364 days of the year, rather than just making money out of pride? It's called pinkwashing. It's an active campaign. What there has to be at our community, at the heart of our community, is love and compassion. Mm. It's not about making money. It's love and compassion and proper kindness that counts. And Yes, it would be lovely to have money, but, you know, that money needs to be doing something useful rather than just vanity. So, you know, you were asking me about the difference. I think that this whole pandemic has had a really um, bit of a crippling effect on people, actually, in terms of them, you know, because they haven't been able to go out and be social. And I think that a lot of our community have felt really particularly isolated you know, because they haven't been able to go out and meet anybody, never mind gay people. It's all been, you know, gone. Mm. So I think that we have particularly, to... Particularly like 2020 and 2021, when things were just starting to open up and like the smaller prides were just getting cancelled. So like the London one and the Manchester one, I believe, went ahead in 2021. But the one in Bristol, it hasn't happened yet. If it goes ahead this year, it'll be the first time since 2019. That when, when, it, when is Bristol Pride? 9th of July, according to the website. That, that's going to be the Bristol Pride. Oh, well, invite me. I'd love to come. Yeah, and, so, and they've, got that, they've got that gorgeous... I've done quite a bit of work with the M Shed, the museum mm, uh, yeah, in Bristol, yeah. and really fantastic. I think it's Karen Garvey fantastic sort of art team very encouraging of you know of of minority groups you know because so often museums can not have too much of a point of reference for mm. you know individual people but I, I thought it was a very welcoming welcoming place I'm involved in various campaigns as I said and the key areas that I like to work with 
are trying to counteract hate crime. Of course. Uh, working with the NHS, which I think describe as the jewel in the crown of our kingdom, and, uh, and working with education, because I believe that ed- education is the way to stop hate crime. Mm. Babies aren't born being racist or sexist or, you know, we teach them in our schools and churches and at home. It's the next generation who will teach the, uh, who will teach the uh, older people. So I've been working with Hate Crime UK for, oh gosh, about 10 years now. And they have a month in November and it's called Hate Crime Awareness Week. And during that week, um, all the schools in the UK uh, have various courses about counteracting hate crime, the police go in, fire brigade, different community groups. And uh, I've, I've been writing the theme poems. So this is one of the poems I wrote for that event, which launches uh, at St. Paul's Cathedral and then spreads across the UK. So that's what I do. And, you know, I suppose politics is one of these things, you know, people think, oh, it's just too much. They're all corrupt. Everyone's, you know, climbing up the greasy pole. But you know what, unless we do something, it's just going to carry on being awful, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> unless we say, even if it's just a little something, you know, I think that as a, a community, we are uh, courageous. Uh-huh. We, we have to be. We've learned it from an early age, you know, because we know what it's like to be di- different and ostracized. We know what it's like to feel afraid, but it hasn't stopped us being ourselves. So I think that we're sort of blessed in a way uh, with this courage. And I think that it, it is up to us to make a difference. And, and my job is to encourage us to do that. How do you think the community has changed since the first Pride? And how do you think attitudes towards the community have changed over the years? Oh, I think massively. I think in 1972, I mean, no one would admit they were gay. You know, you couldn't, you'd lose your job. Um, my friend, she was, um, for example, uh, my friend, she, uh, she worked for John Lewis in this sort of changing rooms. She couldn't possibly say that she was a lesbian. She would have lost her job. And I had another friend who was a hairdresser, also couldn't lose her job and, you know, spoke all day about people's boyfriends and, you know, and if you're a teacher, you would lose your job. At one point, it was illegal to even mention, for a teacher to mention anything to do with being uh, homosexual at school to any of the children at school. So if you had a gay parent, you, you know, you felt basically, you know, how it was for... So we have made huge strides, you know. Now there is funding. Now we are recognised as that we are worthy of equal opportunities and equal pay. Although I have to say women uh, are still struggling <laughs> to get equal opportunities and equal, equal pay. But within our community, gay community, we do support uh, each other and there is a massive change. Uh, but personally, I think one of the disadvantages uh, 
is the whole movement of the internet messaging and online dating sites and don't get me wrong you can't live in this world without using the internet really not certainly not run a a job Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do think that on an individual level it's really compromised uh, our community's confidence in actually face-to-face interaction I mean Covid hasn't helped but you know I used to run gigs uh, LGBT open uh, poetry mic events And I used to tease everyone, say, oh, come on, you've come out, you've got dressed up. Your aim this evening, I'm instructing you to get someone's phone number. If you like someone, smile at them, flirt with them. We're going to have an interval now. Time to practice flirting. Because I think flirting is a sort of, it's an art. And I think that we perhaps don't practice it enough. There's nothing like a bit of flirting. I mean, it's flattering. It's... It's very good for your confidence. You get chatting. You know, I'm not talking about horrible stuff. I'm talking about just being respectful and and nice. And I think that um, a lot of face-to-face stuff has been sidelined by, um, you know, dating apps. And, of course, you don't get that same um, chemistry thing that you do in face-to-face. And I think that a lot of particularly younger people have had their confidence affected by it, definitely. See, I would actually, I would actually argue the exact opposite. Like, um, I'd say the internet has helped. You know, obviously, there are disadvantages to it. I will be the first person to admit that. But I would say that it it has definitely brought more awareness to groups of the community that hardly anyone has ever heard of. Like, I distinctly remember being like thirteen you know, that was like the first time I ever understood what a trans person was or what a bis- what a bisexual person was or even what an asexual person was. Mm. Like I was exposed to that from like a very young age. And I think that's partly why quite a lot of people are kind of like questioning that, that side of themselves now. Mm. No, you're right. I think that it's, um, it's the internet is a blessing and a curse. Mm. because it's very useful for accessing information and of course during covid it meant that people could access online events and have some kind of social network and for a lot of my disabled friends who might not have been able to get into some of these venues uh, for you know whatever reason the travel or whatever uh, they found a whole you know their life social life opening up Uh, It's just that uh, mobile, you know, what we need really is a combination of the two, I think. I mean, otherwise, I'm a, you know, I'm a wordsmith. I'd be spending weeks and weeks and weeks down the British British Library. You know, that's what people did before. But with the internet, you can just type stuff in and you get thousands of things coming up. But I'm, I'm very much a sort of social, social outgoing person. So final question. How do you think poetry and indeed other works of art can help the community? Oh, because art transcends our day-to-day life. It enriches our senses and spirit. It's a different thing completely than the ordinary stuff in our life. And yet in some way, it really supports it. If there was no art, things would be very gray. I think that um, 
you know, art is a way that I've been fortunate enough within this post uh, to use uh, poetry as a catalyst for social and political change. And I think art, it, poetry is like um, a cordial. So it's our imagination that makes it a, a, a certain something. And I think that any art form stimulates us in that way. It's essential for a happy life. Thank you very much, Trudy. It's been uh, it's truly been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you. I look forward to listening to it. And thank you everyone for listening. And feel free to contact me. Could I say that if anyone doesn't know my work and they'd like to, uh, I, I do have a website, which is um, www.lgbtpoetlaureate.org.uk. And I'm on Instagram, LGBT Poet Laureate, and on Twitter, LGBT Poet Laureate without the E, because there's too many letters. But oh, yes, please be my tweet heart. Uh, I do love Twitter, because it's that whole thing about dealing with a certain number of letters. It's sort of challenging for a wordsmith like me. Let us stand together, united in this call. There is no place for hatred, because hatred, hurts us all. Whatever your ability or gender, religion, age, color of skin, this battle against hatred is one we have to win. Let's educate the ignorant, dispel prejudice and fear, promote that love is a human right. Be open and be clear. We can make a difference by what we do and say about the intolerance and injustice some people suffer every day. It's okay to be different. Let's honour who we are. Make our world a safer place for all of us, near and far. Lovely.